theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Let's look at 1 Kings 21 verses 1 through 7. Then we're going to go quickly to 2 Kings um, chapter 9. Then we're going to Revelation. So I'm going to show you something that's in the Old and the New Testament, if you will. Let's look at 1 Kings 21, verses 1 through 7. When you have it, say, I've got it. I got it. Okay. All right, cool. If you got it. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. Uh, this is prime real estate. One day, Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that, passed, that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. What's the matter, his wife, Jezebel, asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded, get up, eat something. Don't worry about it. I'll get you Nabal's vineyard. Let's look at 2 Kings 9, 16 through 20. 2 Kings 9, 16 through 20. Then Jehu got into a chariot and rode to Jezreel to find King Joram, who was there, or who was lying there wounded. King Ahiah, uh, oh, how you pronounce that? King Isaiah of Judah was there. I had it down packed earlier today, promise you. Two, for he had gone to visit him. The watchman of the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu and his company approaching, so he shouted to Joram, I see a company of troops coming. Send out a rider to ask if they are coming in peace. King Joram ordered, so a horseman went out to meet Jehu and said, the king wants to know if you are coming in peace. Jehu replied, what do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman called out to the king, the messenger has met them, but he's not returning. So the king sent out a second horseman. He rode up to them and said, the king wants to know if you come in peace. Again, Jehu answered, what do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman exclaimed, the messenger has met them, but he isn't returning either. It must be Jehu, son of Nimshi, for he's driving like a madman. Let's look at Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to show you something that we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Revelation 2, 18. If you don't know Revelation, it's all the way at the end of your Bible. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. 
I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting or tolerating that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. I'm going to preach this thought. I was going to read more text. I'll get into it because we're going to be here for a moment, about 45 minutes or so. I'm going to preach this thought to you this afternoon, coming in hot. Coming in hot. I want you to help me pray. Would you lift your hands? Father, we love you. We bless you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. I pray that you would anoint me with the type of anointing to preach and to teach your word with relevancy, with accuracy, Lord, with an understanding, with an unction of what you're trying to do, God, in this place. We give you thanks. We give you praise for the victory is ours through you. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. Praise God. Everybody faces spiritual struggles. When if, if you are working on your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are seeking first the kingdom of God, if you are trying to live a life for Jesus Christ, I've got news for you. If you're trying to advance, you, sir, you, ma'am, are engaged in spiritual warfare. Now, if that's a newsflash to you, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I will say this, and this is true, I think, the enemy isn't worried about people who aren't making any noise in the spirit realm. So if I'm not saying if you're not under attack, it might be that you don't recognize you're under attack, but I do want you to know that Satan's greatest tactic is that of deceit. So many times we assume that the struggle we're facing is just a natural battle. But you do need to realize that underneath the surface, there's something far more complex that's taking place. You and I are under spiritual attack. As a matter of fact, sometimes you make it personal. It's not about the person. There's a spirit behind what's happening. What we need to do is we need to pray for spiritual discernment to defeat the enemy. That way you know what's what. Sometimes it is carnality. Sometimes it is the flesh, but oftentimes it's not. And you need discernment to be able to distinguish between the two. Let me tell you what will help you. The word of God will help you in distinguishing what is true, uh, truly spiritual warfare and what is not. Let me tell you what won't help you. Instagram. TikTok and a little real. Let me tell you what will help you, what will help you win this battle. You won't win this battle unless God is directing you through it. Now, newsflash Satan has different plans for your life than God. And we have to incline ourselves to abide in the will of God and to stay on the right path. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. See, Satan is quite aware of our weaknesses. He's been studying humans since Adam and Eve. In fact, he's so cunning that he deceived Adam and Eve. They were the very first humans. Satan knows what he is doing. He knows how to tempt people. 
He knows exactly what buttons to push, where to push them, how to push them, and when to push them. Therefore, we should not be ignorant of his strategies. You and I, if we're not careful, we'll give Satan the upper hand when we fail to familiarize ourselves with his devices. You can't walk in the spirit. You can't be led of the spirit and have your spiritual eyes shut. We must walk in the spirit and know what's happening around us. This is why you got to be careful what you listen to. It's why be careful what you watch. It's why you got to be careful with who you hang with. Everybody, what you watch is a medium. Television is a medium and it creates an atmosphere. Y'all going to have to help me today. You what you listen to creates an atmosphere in your mind and in your heart. And can I tell you, this is why I tell you, I'm not trying to give anybody a hard time. But you know why we got some people coming up here praising? They didn't, they, they, they didn't do this just because the music started and people started singing. They came in with the praise. We got people coming in, setting up praises. When they're worshiping and rehearsing, people are praising. That's what's in their heart. Therefore, it's going to be in the atmosphere. But if you have criticism and negativity and doubt and confusion, you'll bring that into the atmosphere as well. You got to be careful who you hang with. you've been in church any period of time, any substantial period of time, then you know of spiritual warfare. Or at the very least, if you're not familiar with spiritual warfare, then you understand that you do have an enemy. If you're young in faith, then just let me allow, allow me to illuminate a few things in scripture to help you understand that you do have an enemy. Ephesians 6, 11 instructs us to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, doesn't say have an argument with the person that's getting on your nerve. It doesn't say gossip about so-and-so. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Can I tell you, gossip is not going to fix it. Criticism is not going to fix it. Judgmentalism is not going to fix it. Therefore, you need to clothe yourself with the entirety of the armor of God in your life. Today, if you're not familiar with it, I listen to every genre of Christian music you could think of. I'm coming in hot, like Lecrae and Andy Mineo. Coming, hot, coming in hot simply characterizes the tone and tenor of pace at which we, we move and what's happening. If you kind of understand the complexion of what God is doing in this season in Extraordinary Church, you understand that we're on the precipice of something big. 
we're on the precipice of God getting ready to blow our minds. You can tell something is percolating under the surface, that something is drawing us deeper and deeper into his presence. People are abandoning things and following God with reckless abandonment. People are getting baptized and receiving the spirit. People are being delivered. People are being healed. God is doing something great in our midst, and this is just the beginning. I don't know about you, but that excites me. You got to have your head in the sand to not know what God is doing in our midst. God is positioning the church in this day for something big not just extraordinary church but the kingdom of God I'm here to declare that the kingdom of God is here and he's doing something and I want to be a part of what God is doing but I want to highlight really quickly that we're not going to be able to get everything that God has for us and to take back everything that the enemy stole without opposition I want to share my own personal perspective and observation because I, I see spiritual wickedness in high places at work in the body of Christ. I want you to understand that Jezebel, that's who I'm talking about today, Jezebel is always seeking to infiltrate the people of God. Jezebel is not a spirit that has set up a cotton candy stand. Everywhere you see her in the Bible, the spirit of Jezebel is working amongst the people of God in the Old Covenant. Jezebel, let me give you a little bit about her background. She's the princess of a Canaanite king. His name is Ithbael. Ithbael, Ithbael. Ithbael is the priest and king of a nation called Tyre. And it's a Phoenician nation that is dedicated to the worship and the, the pagan worship of a god named Baal. Stick with me for just a moment. I don't have time to dive deep into Baalism, but suppose if you just take a moment and do a little bit of study on your own, you'll understand that Baalism is essentially promiscuous, a sexually deviant religion in which the god of Baal is worshipped and most glorified among its elites through sexual promiscuity and sexual acts. In other words, the more sexually deviant you become, the more you please the God of Baal. Baalism is a demonic religion, and it is that in the Old Covenant. You'll see Israel, it's, you'll see Tyre and Sidon laden with Asher poles that are erected all over Tyre and Sidon. And they're worshiping Baal with lewd prostitution. They worship Baal through all types of immorality. And I'm not trying to be graphic today, but the bottom line is the more erotic it was, the more demonic it became. But yet they claim the more they pleased the God of Baal doesn't take a rocket scientist or even a prophet to look at our current condition of the world that we're living in today. Even the title of the religion might have changed, but the agenda is still the same. If this sexual hedonism that is running rampant in the earth, we're dealing with the sexualization of everything that you can imagine to the nth degree, Satan has attempted to literally pervert and to steal the purposes that God has intended here on the earth. And everywhere you look, there's an expansion of evil going on and on. That's the whole premise of Baal. And I'm rewinding because when you look about it, that's where Jezebel comes from. Now, don't miss this. Jezebel descends from a nation that has a religion of sexuality. Now, this spirit in this woman from a foreign country decides, I want to infiltrate the people of God. And in order for me to get Baalism 
from where to get to get these people into Baalism from Jehovah worship, I've got to marry a weak-minded king. Got to find somebody weak and impotent, if you will, and, uh, and, and, and begin to infiltrate Israel so that they would wander away from Jehovah worship. See, Israel is a group of delivered people who have been delivered by the power of God and brought out and have now wandered from the altar of God who brought them out of Egypt. Now Israel is full of Asher poles and wickedness is prevailing. Israel is falling away from God and they're engaging in Baal worship. She, talking about Jezebel, is the princess of Ithbaal. She doesn't just want to operate past the very entire she doesn't want to just operate Chris in Sidon. She wants to get into Israel. So in order to get Israel or to get into Israel and to bring her witchcraft and her hexes into the people of God's midst, she has to go through a leader and she finds a weak leader. You know what his name is? Ahab, a spineless man with no voice nor spiritual authority. And she works through him in diabolical ways to bring an entire nation under her hex. Bible makes it very clear that this woman is polluted and Ahab was the king of Israel. And here's the reality of it. Ahab should have never married a foreign woman from Phoenicia. But history tells us that the reasons why they got married were not spiritual reasons. If it were for spiritual purposes, Seema, he would have never married her. He married her because of her allegiance and connection to her father, who was the king of Tyre and Sidon. Ahab saw this as an opportunity, a military advantage, and as a business opportunity because he knew he had not instilled conviction and military poise in the nation of Israel. Can I tell you, you better be careful what you connect with because it looks like it'll be profitable for you. Y'all going to have to help me today. You better be careful who you connect with because it might present some sort of advantage for you. Jezebel is far more insidious than just wanting to have a relationship in a time of connection or marriage. She actually wants to take you away from the altar of God that brought you out of bondage and into his marvelous light. Some people, in the name of money, connect with Jezebel. Some people in the name of political strategy or relational strategy connect with Jezebel. The problem is, when you connect with Jezebel, you connect with her gods. And so Jezebel is serving Baal. That's who her father, Ethbel, she's Jezebel. And in this entire system of Baalistic worship, she's not content to operate outside of the people of God. She wants in the people of God's midst. So, when you flip over, because we're in the Old Testament now, the Old Covenant, when you flip over to the New Covenant, and in Revelation, we understand, and just give me a moment to dance between the two, but we see something happening here that I think is pertinent to the conversation and something that I want to expose today. So we're going to dance in 1 Kings 19, and then we're going to go to 2 Kings, and I want you to see some stuff. We're going to look at Revelation 2, but I want you to see this spirit at work. It comes into an alliance with Ahab. 
And now we're, you, you watch this, it's, it's a demon that's at work in the world. It's, it, it would be fine if Jezebel stayed out in the world. We wouldn't even be talking about Jezebel today if she was outside in the world. The problem is Jezebel wants to infiltrate the people of God's lives. Jezebel always wants to step in and become a part of the people of God's midst. And the reason is she has an agenda. The spirit of Jezebel has an agenda to pervert the holiness and the holy things of God. And she knows it and knows that if I can get from the outside on the inside and seduce them, I can get them to come away from Jehovah worship. I know it's quiet today because some of y'all are like, why is he preaching like this on this long weekend? But before this day is over, we're going to jerk the cover off this thing. Some of you have been tormented. Some of you have been vexed. Some of you have been fighting hell. Some of you have been staying up late at night. Some of you have been crying tears. You've been rebuking stuff. You don't even know what to rebuke. But when we expose this thing, you'll know we're dealing with something that doesn't play patty cake, patty cake. But we're dealing with powers and principalities and rulers of darkness over this world I'm telling you we're about to snatch this thing down I've talked to people all throughout the kingdom that are on the verge of giving up people getting ready to walk away from ministry marriages on the verge of dissolve and dissolution people don't know what they're fighting but I'm telling you there's a spirit behind all of this and people have said one false thing and it's mushroomed into this and you want to know how we got there we got there because Jezebel is moving amongst the people of God. We're not dealing with social ills. We're not dealing with political constructs. We're dealing with a diabolical, demonic spirit that wants to infiltrate the body of Christ. So discord and division ultimately kill the credibility, kill the ministry, steal the unction out of the oil of the mind and the people of the midst of God. But I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. I've come to tell you that thing is going to be broken in the name of Jesus. There is a remnant of people that are rising up that will not simply put up with Jezebel. Her days are numbered. Its days are numbered. It's running out of business because Jesus has conquered. If you believe that, give him praise. Jezebel, she recognizes her plan doesn't work, Chris, until she infiltrates the people of God. So she does everything she can to get in. Oh, when she gets into the ranks of the righteous, fam. Then we see Jezebel, and we see Jezebel's desires. Whew. See, I, I, I want to show you what Jezebel's desire is. Uh, if you just, if you go back to what I read you, First Kings, if you, if you go back there, you don't have to do it now, literally, but she's after something. It's the vineyard of Naboth. Jezebel always comes after the vineyard. Pastor Barry, why? 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 Why the vineyard? Because the vineyard is where the wine is produced. I found out Jezebel is always after the wine. 
See, the churches where Jezebel is ruling and reigning, there's no wine in the midst. The wine is an emblem and an indicator of the presence of the Spirit of God. You can't have a move of God happening and Jezebel set up camp. Jezebel is intimidated by the vineyard. Jezebel is intimidated by the unction of the Spirit of God. She's intimidated by the oil that's flowing. Jezebel always wants the vine where the grapes are being grown because if she can steal the vineyard, she can steal the wine. That's why churches today don't have any joy. And that's why they don't have any breakthrough. And that's why they don't have infilling. But I'm glad to declare that's not the case at Extraordinary Church. The Spirit of God is breaking out. But there are churches where nothing's breaking out. No yoke is being destroyed. There's oppression and heaviness. You go in and everybody's like a bunch of mummies looking at one another. Nobody's got a praise and nobody's got a dance and nobody's got a song and nobody claps their hands and everybody's criticizing one another. Everybody's mad at one another. Everybody's gossiping about one another. Only I'm only here because of my position. I'm only here because this is my mama's church. But I'm telling you right now, God is doing something in our midst we will not back down the vineyard that God has given us has not been sabotaged the wine is flowing the oil is flowing the spirit of God is moving I'm telling you Jezebel won't kill the wine she won't kill the vineyard the oil is flowing in this place the oil is flowing on our lives Read the text. You know what she wanted, Sonny? You know what? You know what Ahab wanted? He said, I'm going to take this, this vineyard. I'm going to turn it into a vegetable garden. You know how many churches have turned the vineyard into a vegetable garden? You know what you do with well, I don't know what you do. Let me tell you what we did with vegetable gardens. Oh, come look at them vegetables. Come look at how big the watermelons are. Come look at the cantaloupe. Come, 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 come look. Oh, come look at what we've done. Come look at what we've set up. Come look at what we've raised. Can I tell you right now, it's never been... It's a, see, this is the problem. We live in a day and age now. I'm not here for, thank God nobody has done this at Extraordinary Church because you probably would see a different side of it. But can I tell you, I have heard, and pastors have called me, and it's grieved me. Some of y'all, you know, thank, you, thank you that you didn't do it. But you, people today want to know, oh, this is all about me. They come to church, ain't been there three weeks, and they're like, can I have the microphone? The microphone to do what? To say what? I'm not saying you're not called. I'm not saying you're not anointed. But I do like and I want everybody else to know them that labor amongst us. And how about you give us some time to see the fruit on your life? Because we will know you by your fruit, not what you say. Not what you post on Instagram. I know you speak in tongues on Sunday, but how are you living on Monday? How are you living on Tuesday? How are you living on Wednesday? I know you're praying now. Do you have a prayer life on Thursday? Can you send the devil back to... I told you I'm coming in hot today. I'm coming in hot today. 
Y'all like, what, 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 is, what has happened? I'm, I'm coming in hot. You got to understand right now, this has not been about us. This is never about us. I'm nobody, but when I came into this thing, I never talked about, Pastor, give me this, give me that. I was like, do the leaves need to be raked? Do the toilets need to be cleaned? Does your car need to be washed? I don't, that's just, I don't need nobody to wash my car with. I got Lincoln, praise God. But my point was, I'll pick somebody up, I'll teach Bible studies, I'll go to the jail and preach, I'll serve the less fortunate. I'm not looking for a position, I'm not looking for a title, I'm not looking for a platform. I'm here to serve. Is there anybody that's here to serve? Not looking to get the credit. I don't need some affirmation. I don't need a shout out on social media. All I need is to give God the glory. Thank God for what he's done in my life. Thank God that he delivered me. He's the only one that needs to be seen. This is not Akeel Thompson's ministries. This is the kingdom of God. It's not come and brag about what we're doing. No, I want to be a part of something where they look and say, my God, only God could do what he's doing there. Don't you want to see our watermelons? Don't you want to see our potatoes? Don't you want to see our onions? No, I'm good. I don't want the garden. I want the wine. I don't need a vegetable garden. I need a breakthrough. I don't need some watermelons. Well, if you want to bring me some, I ain't hating on you. But I need the oil and I need the wine. I don't need somebody to come up. I, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm talking to any particular preacher because they're not worried about me anyway. But I'm not looking at somebody who's living one life trying to get, oh, Jesus. The enemy wants the vineyard. He'll come after the wine. Jezebel will always come after the manifest presence of God. Well, I'm telling you right now, the presence of God is all that we are about. I know you might think it's a little too loud. We tried to tell you outside there's a big sign that says you are entering a room filled of faith where the praise is going to be loud. There's going to be people dancing and worshiping. There's going to be people clapping, getting with the preaching. Why? Because we want a move of God. We want the wine. We want the spirit of God flowing in this place. That's the only time it's extraordinary. When God shows up and heals, when God shows up and delivers, when God shows up and does what only he can do well pastor kill that just seems a little extreme to me then we're just extreme we're just radical the only thing i'm concerned about is a move of god that can shake everything that can be shaken Every time we come together, I want the altars full. Every time we come together, I want the worship hot. Every time we come together, I want the glory of God filling this place. Every time we come together, I want people healed. Every time we come together, I want to see people delivered. Yes, even you who have been born again still need deliverance depending upon the habits and dysfunctions that are going on in your life. I want to see marriages restored and I want to see cancers dried up. That won't happen if we sell out our vineyard for a vegetable garden. But here at Extraordinary Church, we want the oil. So Jezebel shows up. She says, uh, I want that. 
She figures out a way. She comes after the vineyard. Watch this, watch this. And here's the thing. See, one thing I want you to understand, I'm going to show you. Jezebel wants authority. And when she encounters someone who has authority, she attempts to get her own insidious way by using other people's authority. So if it's the prophet Elijah, who was the prophetic authority, she threatens him with death. If it's Naboth, whose vineyard she wants, and it's his inheritance, and not even the king according to law, cannot even the king of Israel can take that land, when she sees that Naboth knows, he knows it's his, and it's not for sale, Ahab won a pout. Put his face to the wall and not eat. She comes home. She's like, what's up, babe? Naboth won't give me his vineyard. I can hear that. Well, I'm going to call him something else, but I'm going to behave. Naboth won't give me his vineyard. So she says, let me, let me talk to you. She said, give me. She said, let me talk to you. Encourage yourself. Get up and eat. She said, I'll get you the vineyard. Here's what she does. She says, Naboth won't sell his vineyard, huh? Oh, God, give extraordinary church some Naboth. Raise up some men. Some men of God who might say, I know you're coming. This might not look like much. It might not be big time like the church down the street, but it's all I've got. It's delivered me. It's kept me. It's saved me. And more importantly, it's not for sale. It may not be a big deal to you, but this is the vineyard of my father's. This is the vineyard of the Louise Hickmans. You don't know her, but it's not for sale. That spirit that says, it's for sale. You can send it right back to the pit of hell from which it came. It may not be much to you, but I'd rather have this vineyard than any vegetable garden any day. Let me make it plain. My prayer life is not for sale. My children are not for sale. My marriage is not for sale. My Thompson namesake is not for sale. The greater Toronto Hamilton area is not for sale. We are not going to cash out and leave Jesus Christ out of that. I'd rather have Jesus than self. Give me Jesus. You can have everything else. It's not for sale. She wants the vineyard. She wants authority. And she ultimately wants to destroy the ministry. In 1 Kings 21 and in Revelation 2, she has succeeded in trying to destroy the ministry. She has killed a number of prophets of Yahweh. She thought she killed them all, but God always has a remnant. In Revelation 2, the Bible says that her desire is to take the vineyard. Her desire is authority. Her desire is to be in control. That's her end game, but her methodology is a seductive one. The word seduction in the Greek, when you see it in the Bible in Revelation 2, 19 and 20, 
Jesus said, she has seduced my servants. The word seduced in the Greek is planeho. Planeho is how you pronounce the Greek word. It's where we get uh, the word planets from or the planetary system. And it literally means to cause one to roam. Seduction is when somebody is walking on a straight path and a voice comes to them and says, no, 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 no. Let's walk another path. You better hear me today, Extraordinary Church. The reason it's happening and the reason why we're talking about it is because it is happening. And if it goes unchecked, it doesn't disappear. It gets worse. I'm not preaching this today because I feel like this spirit has root in Extraordinary Church. I'm telling you, I'm watching it infiltrate the body of Christ today, and I came to preach in this pulpit. Whether you hear me or whether you don't want to hear me, I'm not really preaching to you anyway. I'm preaching to that spirit to let it know that we believe in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all and through you all and in you all. And Jesus Christ is the only name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Here's the crazy thing. Joyce, this is crazy. Revelation 2.19, watch this. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your servants, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement. In all these things. See, let me, we make this faith-filled declaration every week. We're the most loving church on the planet. Let me just make it plain. The kingdom of God is for everybody. I need everybody to say amen, so I'm going to say it one more time. The kingdom of God is for everybody. Praise God, yes. I'm going to say it one more time because that amen sounded good. The kingdom of God is for everybody. We will be the most loving church on the planet. That's what we are becoming. We don't care what your heritage is, your cultural background, your race, your gender, your identity, your political ideology, your education, your economic status. You will be loved here. But hear me. That statement is not an invitation for compromise. It is not my intention to offend anyone, but I do realize the word of God will do the offending. If I'm faithful to do what he has called me to do, to love this word of God, to teach the word of God, and just for the record, you're not reading the entire counsel of word, the word of God if you agree with everything that's in the book. At least your carnal mind. Because there's some stuff in that I'm like, really God? Is this what we're doing right now? And he's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. I'm like, this is what we're doing. Then. But I will not allow a spirit of religion, traditional idolatry, or Phariseeism to reign in this local expression of the kingdom. We will be a Bible-believing, Bible-behaving, and Bible-results-oriented church. Here it is, verse 20 of Revelation 2, though. Watch this. But I have this one complaint against you. You are permitting 
that woman, that Jezebel. Okay, I know what some of y'all are thinking. How's this going to happen to me? This can't happen to me. I'm, I'm living for God. I'm born again. I spoke in tongues last night. Now, let me just clear something up right now. Because depending upon how you venture into this, this is why we got to stay in the book. So I just, because some of you might be wondering, where is Pastor going? So I just want to make one statement very clear. You cannot be. You cannot be a born-again Christian filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, living a life pleasing to him, seeking with all that you have, and be possessed of a devil at the same time. Can't happen. I got to stay in the shot of the camera, my bad. Let me know, Craig, when I'm out. Praise God. It can't happen. I need to look at it. It cannot happen. It doesn't mean that you will not allow or you will. I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a way that. It doesn't mean that a spirit cannot manipulate you, coerce you, and you allow yourself. Okay, I'm going to show you. I don't have time. Well, write it down because it's already. I'm just going to paraphrase this text for you, okay? Go to Matthew 16, 13. You can read it. Jesus goes to the disciples, and he's like, yo, who do they say that I am? Oh, I got to stay in the shot of the camera. My bad. Who do they say that I am? I'm in the shot of the camera now. Who do they say that I am? And they said, well, some are saying Elias. Some are saying you're a prophet. Okay, he's like, okay, who do you say that I am? Peter, Peter's like this. I see it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. In, in other words, he said, you are God in the flesh, and I see what you've come to do. And you know what Jesus says? And you are Simon Barjona. And upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to build this understanding of this revelation on this revelation that you know who I am. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And Jesus goes on and he's teaching. And people, and they're like, we got it. Let's go. And Jesus is like, let's flow. You get it? He's like, man, look, it's going, I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to suffer some things and, and they're going to try to kill me and they're going to kill me and I'm going to raise my, and Peter's like, oh, did you say somebody's going to kill you? My bad, because it sounded like you said somebody's going to kill you. Because I, 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 I just want you to know right now, that's not going down on my watch. Peter was like, if somebody even look at you the wrong way, Jesus. Boy, I get to slicing and dicing. And Jesus turns and looks at Peter. Get behind me, Satan. 
Wait a second. I, I thought he was super anointed. I thought he just had revelation. I thought he just had understanding. I, I thought he just had purpose. Are you getting what? Was Jesus losing his mind? Absolutely not. The man who got the revelation of who he is manifested in the flesh. That revelation came by the spirit of God. That same man came under the influence of a diabolical spirit. And Jesus turned around and told him to get behind me. Well, is Peter anointed or is he under the influence of another spirit? He's whatever he yields himself to in that moment. Because every principality needs a personality to manifest itself. God help us today. To manifest, to manifest itself through and to articulate its agenda through. In one moment, Peter, Peter was yielded to the Spirit and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. In another moment, he yielded to darkness. What's the point, Pastor Akil? Don't give the devil a place. Okay, so I'm going to help you. How do we know when Jezebel is working? Y'all ready? Two of you. Okay, praise God. I need you to talk back to me. Y'all ready? Thank you. Praise God. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this one time, but y'all going to have to help me. I'm a southern boy. We came from the south. I came from a church, grew up. I, now, I don't I don't, I don't know what they do now, but I know I'm a, I'm a running for Jesus. I was wearing tennis shoes back in the day, y'all. This ain't nothing new. Praise God. I was wearing tennis I will run for Jesus. I will get with the preaching. I will preach this preacher, not just me, because I'm passionate about what God is doing. I want you to know your enthusiasm is a breeding ground for faith. And they might think we lost our mind, but isn't it crazy? I love sports. I enjoy sports. You know what? I watched yesterday, I, I watched, you know, because Coach Dion, Dion Sanders has got this team, he done turned this thing around, and I was catching some of the game, and college game day, and the people were so excited, there was a grown man that was probably a corporate executive, decided to take his shirt off, belly and all hanging out, and took a whole bunch of mayonnaise, mayonnaise, and poured the mayonnaise all over himself, and people are running around like, yeah, yeah. And if the world is okay with that, you best know I'm going to give God a whole lot more. I'm going to lift my hands. Ain't nobody going to get a mayonnaise baptism, but I will lift my hands. I will stand and give him praise. I will dance. I will jump. I will run. I will hoop. I will holler. I will preach the preacher because it is by faith and by faith becomes the word. I will let God know I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because he's worthy of my praise somebody give him glory somebody give him glory okay let me hurry up so here's one way one way that you know Naboth is in trouble this is how you know Jezebel is moving you want to know something happening on the job you want to know something happening in your family you want to check this out here it is she wrote a letter about Naboth and spread it all over the kingdom. 
What did the letter say? This letter said that Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Here's how you know Jezebel is in full operation. It's a false accusation spirit. Don't leave now. Jezebel will try to frame you. That's what it's something about gossip. <laughs> Ooh, help us today. Let me just tell you right now. If they're talking about you, or if they're talking about others to you, you can rest assured they're talking about you to others. I'm coming in hot, so. Yeah, somebody said, I'm coming close. Praise God. If they're talking about you, if they're talking about others to you, you can rest assured they're talking about you to others. Matter of fact, let me help you out even more. The problem is when you come into alignment with the gossip. You can't discern it because you think they're for you. They're not for you. They're just against what you're against. You got to be careful who you link up with. And here's the reality of it anyway. Why do they know they can come to you in the first place? Just like we can see your gifts, we can see your garbage. People are used. Isn't it interesting? We can preach about lying. Y'all will preach me down. We can preach about sexual immorality. Somebody will start running. But we preach about gossip and it gets tight. I want you to know that the spirit of Jezebel, here's an earmark. An earmark of the spirit of Jezebel is a character assassination. When she doesn't get its way or when it, because it's not a she, but when it doesn't get its way, it will always infiltrate the minds of godly people seeking to attack their credibility and the authority with false accusation. Naboth was a godly man. And all it took was one letter. We fillet people. We kill them with our words. We open up our mouth and put our mouth on people we don't like. It's a Jezebelic indicator. It's a spirit working. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. It is not normal. And when Paul dealt with it, he talked to the Corinthians, Pastor B. He wasn't like, oh, I get it. You're a social extrovert. Get your gossip on. No, 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 no. He said, stop. Stop. As a matter of fact, he was like, hey, look, can I just help you all? I'm so thankful we don't have this going on, at least not to my knowledge. And if we do, let me tell you, we're stamping it out. But listen, it's not cool. Let me just help you. 
We believe in extraordinary loyalty at Extraordinary Church. We believe we are loyal to what God is doing. And we are loyal to the kingdom. And we don't use our words to tear people down. I got enough demons. I'm fighting enough battles. But the Bible said we're to use our words to bless and to curse not. Hear me, sis. Let me say what I feel like the Lord's going to say. Here's the thing about it. When Jezebel doesn't get her way, you cannot become passive in dealing with it in your life. Jesus tells us, you got this down packed. You got love down packed. You got grace down packed. You got mercy down packed. You got compassion down packed. You got all this. Man, you know what? When I look, y'all having revival. Children's ministry popping. Youth ministry popping. Praise and worship popping. But you're tolerating Jezebel. Tolerating. Can you imagine being the pastor of the Thyatira church? And Jesus coming to you, man, you're doing good. I saw your love. I saw your patience. I saw your work. I saw your faith. I saw that. But I got one thing against you. You tolerate. You tolerate. See, watch this. Let me give you another indicator of something real quick. Look at verse 20, Revelation 2. He said, I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman. Watch this. Revelation 2, 20. Look at this. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. See what tolerance can do? Everybody get uncomfortable. <laughs> like, why, why is Pastor Kill going to preach about this today? It's a long weekend. Can't he just preach me seven ways to be happy and live my best life? Okay, give me 21 ways to be a great leader, a great Christian. Listen, give me 15 ways to make all kinds of money. Listen, if you get more money, that's great. But if you get more money and still have Jezebel, you're still in trouble. You can't have no peace till you get rid of that because it's trying to set up a throne, not in the world, not outside, but in the church amongst the people of God. He said, you've tolerated one thing. It's one thing, one thing. You permit her. Watch this. She's teaching and seducing. She can't seduce unless she has a platform to teach. Because in order to deceive someone, you have to have the person's ear. There is with false, untrue things. You cause them to begin to roam. So you have these servants at Thyatira who are doing real good, and Jezebel started teaching, and she got an audience. Uh, Jezebel just got a way of getting an audience, a way of winning hearts, winning people through teaching, through seduction. 
Why am I teaching you this today? Because I want you to be aware of the end game of Jezebel. It's not just, oh, let's just have a little prayer service and we're going to be done. The end game for Jezebel is that you stop traveling on the road that you're traveling on and you'll become lost. And you won't even know it. So, if you let Jezebel, if you tolerate the spirit of Jezebel, she'll run right over you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I'm going to close in about five to seven minutes. But what we're going to do in the next five to seven minutes is we're going to deal with Jezebel. Look at your neighbor. Tell him it's time to deal with it. It's time to deal with it. We're going to deal with Jezebel. See, some of you are dealing with it on your job. Some of you are dealing with it on your family. Some of you are dealing with... There's somebody right now even watching online that's dealing with it. I'm telling you right now that spirit will try to run you out of your purpose, run you out of your calling, run you out of your ministry, keeping you up late at night. You can't sleep well. You're fighting all kinds of hell and don't know what's going on. I'm telling you there's something happening in the spirit realm, and I'm trying to let you know that the hand of God is on your life. Everybody else is not against you. You need to understand that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. I want to tell you that if God be for you, the whole world can be against you. The enemy can howl and he can hiss and he can shout and he can whisper. But you need to let him know that the hand of God is on your life and that the Lord rebuke you. Jezebel had her throne and had her perch, but I'm telling you, Jezebel is coming down in this region, and we're going to walk forward in victory and in power and watch God get the glory. You've got to be willing to deal with it. So here's how they deal with it. Israel as a prophet. Oh, thank God for the prophetic unction says to his servant, I need you to do something, son, and I need you to move quickly. Can I tell you, whenever you're operating in the spirit, you got to move quickly. Whenever God speaks to you, you cannot delay. Let me just help you out. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. So watch this, watch this. He said, I need you to run, and I, I, I need you to get the oil, and get the oil, fill it up, and you're going to find somebody by the name of Jehu. As a matter of fact, they're in military strategy right now. Go and find Jehu, Don't, and then call him to a private place and anoint him with oil, then run for your life. That young man did that, and the people that Jehu was with said, man, when he came out of the room, what was that all about? Jehu tried to keep it under wraps. He's, he said, ah, oh, you know those old men, those guys, they just babble and say a bunch of crazy stuff. But what Jehu didn't take into consideration was the oil was flowing on his life. The oil was flowing, and when the oil is flowing, it's recognizable. You know when there's an anointing on somebody's life. And Jehu is now a newly anointed king with a strong military background. God has raised up a military strategist who understands what his weapons are. And I want to remind you what Paul told us our weapons are. For we understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we have some armor that we can put on. He tells us in verse 13 of chapter 6, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, able, may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your loins with 
truth. The word of God is truth. It is holding everything that we've got together. And once you've got truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You're not righteous because of what you've done. You're righteous because of what he did. We are in right relationship because of the atoning work at Calvary. When the accuser of the brethren comes and tries to accuse us of what we've done, we don't say, look at what we've done. Look at what he did. He died on the cross, rose himself from the grave on the third day, shed his blood for our sin we're righteous because Christ having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace you take the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then we throw some prayer in on that thing. These are our weapons. What am I telling you, extraordinary church? It's time for us to suit up. It's time for us to get ready to slay some devils. It's time for us to get ready to conquer and advance because we're coming in hot. Let the region know we're coming in hot. Let revival know we're coming in hot. Let the enemy know we're coming in hot because we've been told the gates of hell shall not prevail. We've got victory. And if you believe we've got victory, you ought to give him praise. I don't know about you, but some of you have been fighting and you've been letting the enemy push you into a corner, push you into your chair. You need to get some spiritual backbone, stir up the gift that's within you and say, enough is enough. Everybody stand. You got to make up your mind that you got the weapons of war. Help us, Lord. So, here's where it gets crazy. Watch this. Look at 2 Kings 9, 20. I'm going to challenge you, every parent, I want you to hear me. It's not in my notes. I feel I'm saying this with unction in the Holy Ghost. You need to go home and turn up the spiritual thermostat in your house. You need to hear me. If you have never interceded for your kids, you need to begin to intercede for your kids. The enemy is after them. I'm telling you, deception has fallen upon some of them. They are deceived. Whew. And you're not confronting and addressing it, it's tolerating it. And the Spirit of God wants to empower you to address this thing in the spirit realm. You need to begin to pray at home like you've never prayed before. I thought I would you need to begin to connect and set a tone with your spouse and if you're single mom, single dad shout out if you're carrying the weight I want you to know you are not alone but you need to let the enemy know when you get home today this foolishness is over now yeah. 
As a matter of fact, you know what's interesting? Look at 2 Kings 9.20. This is how you need to drive home today. The messenger has been met them, but he isn't returning either. Jezebel and the empire were sending them out. And they said, oh, it must be Jehu, son of Nimshi. For he's driving like a madman. He's coming in hot. You need to, when we leave this place today, you don't need to wait till you get home. You need to turn up the praise and worship music in your car. You get on the road, you begin to drive, you begin to bless him, you begin to exalt him, and those enemies will say, what's going on? What's happening? Man, it looks like Barry, and he's driving like a madman. It looks like Isabella has had enough, and all she's going to take, and she's come to put us in our place. And I've got good news. You don't need Jehu. We've got Jesus. We've got the one who overcame. And you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So, oh, I've got all kinds of notes. Help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Two things. I say this and I'm done. Jehu shows up. He looks at, he comes. Jezebel. Jezebel does something really odd. You know what she does? She paints her face. This is crazy. Here she is getting her face done, dead. This, this chick is doing her eyebrows. Jehu's yelling up like, yo, I'm here. You know what that means, Jezebel. She like, yeah. Uh, and so he was like, I see, I see you got some people with y'all. He said, yo, who y'all with today? Oh, that's a question in the spirit realm. Whose side are you on today? She starts painting her face and getting ready, putting makeup on. You know why? She's so vain. Back in that day, monarchies, queens and kings, if they knew death was imminent, they wanted to look right for their murder. So Jehu says, yo guys, I know y'all heard me. I'm not asking again. Whose side are you on? It's a group of Ethiopian eunuchs. She had stolen their ability to reproduce. And they looked and said, we, we're on your side. Threw her out the window. You know what that tells me? The least suspecting people. The least suspecting people are going to be the ones who cast Jezebel out. You might not think it's you, and I'm here to tell you right now, the oil is flowing. There's an anointing that's flowing in this house. It could be you. Somebody in this place is saying, enough is enough. They throw out the window. The dogs come to eat her. But before they bury her, you know what? There's a few elements of her structure that remain. The Bible tells us that her skull is still there. And that tells me that the mind of Jezebel is still active. 
tells us that her hands remained, that the works of Jezebel is still active, told us that her feet remain, that the spirit of Jezebel is mobile. That's what's happening in the atmosphere today. But I'm telling you right now that there's somebody in this house that's fixing to pull some things down. And you might be wondering, how are you going to pull some things down? I'm going to show you. We're going to humble ourselves, get on our knees, and dedicate our lives afresh to him again. I'm not going to be a dominator. I'm not going to be a manipulator. I'm not going to be a gossiper. I'm going to free myself from that foolishness. I'm going to walk in the power and the joy and the victory of Jesus Christ. You've got the power to break free of that. Some of you are running for your life. Stop running. You don't run. You put Jezebel on the run. Because if you ever understand who you really are in Christ, you'll send Jezebel packing. You know what I believe? I feel such a prophetic unction in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.